Uh, for our message today, we're going to be focusing in on that story, or what you might call a parable, about a story that Jesus talked about called the Good Samaritan. Even if you have never heard the story or the parable before, you maybe know that term, or those terms, Good Samaritan. There are Good Samaritan hospitals and nursing homes, including uh, Reno has a Good Samaritan nursing home. Uh, there are Good Samaritan awards that are presented to people who, who exemplify compassion for their community. Uh, there are Good Samaritan laws. In fact, it, it's on the Nevada books that if a Good Samaritan law protects you. If you are in good faith trying to help someone and you make a mistake, so if you're doing CPR and someone you don't know what you're doing and, and they accidentally die, you're covered. All right? You're covered by the li of liability because of the Good Samaritan law. And so uh, even the, it, the way it's infiltrated our society today, we want to just look at how did that start? And, and looking at this story that Jesus told from Luke chapter 10. And as we read this story today, it may be familiar to some of you. Uh, maybe it's the first time uh, some of you have heard it. I'm going to ask you to, to kind of put yourself in the shoes of one of the, the characters that Jesus creates. Uh, who are you? There are really six options that you could be. And, and I think this is a valuable way to ever read a narrative section of God's Word. Put yourself in the shoes of one person and, and read it, and then, then read it again from the, another viewpoint, and the Holy Spirit just opens your eyes to maybe another truth. And so today you could be the victim, a Jewish man who gets beaten up, left for dead. Uh, you could be the, the, the robbers themselves who beat up this guy. You could be a priest. You could be a Levite. You could be a Samaritan, and we'll talk a little bit about that but a Samaritan were natural enemies. They were racial enemies uh, to the Jews. And so they, he would have been a, an enemy to the victim who gets beaten up. Or you could be the innkeeper. So you really have six options. Uh, play, you can write your own story as we go through this. So as I read through the, the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, uh, just kind of put yourself in the shoes of one of these people. And so it starts off here. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii. A denarius was like one day's wage. Uh, so he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So, who are you? 
Who are you? I'm not sure which person you identified with the most in that little story, but let's just, let's just say uh, you, were the, you were the victim, all right? You were the one that got beaten up. So there you are, laying half dead, on, on the, lying half dead on the side of the road, and, and maybe your, your eyes are swollen shut. You maybe just have little slits for eyes, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're thinking life is, is waning. You, you're kind of lost hope. Um, you've been stripped of your clothes. You've been stripped of your dignity. Uh, you are, you're maybe regretting and, and just mad at yourself because uh, this road, uh, Jesus said it's the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and that was a dangerous highway. Actually, it had a nickname. It was nicknamed the Bloody Highway. And so you're sitting there, and you're thinking, what an idiot am I? Why, why did I? I knew I shouldn't have traveled this road alone, and, and yet I did. What a, how stupid. How stupid. And so you're, you're just kind of losing all hope, praying, oh, I just hope there's somebody else as stupid as me that's also going to come down this road that's not a robber that might be willing to help me. And just like that, perhaps the, what you, you couldn't have answered your prayer better yourself. Because who's coming down the road? You maybe hear him whistling down the road. It, it's this, this priest, this man of God, this servant of God. I mean, you could not have dreamt a better answer to your prayer because this is a guy whose very job is to help other people. Oh, man, this is awesome, Right? And even, even if, he, if his heart isn't into helping me right now, you think at least he'll be guilted into helping me. Because, I mean, he's, he knows the Old Testament law more than anybody else. He knows that, that passage from Jeremiah that says, hey, if, a, if you come across someone who's been offended by a robber, you must help him. So at least he'll be guilted into helping you, if nothing else. And you hear the whistle come. And you hear the whistle go. As the priest just kind of ignores you and walks by on the other side of the street. What about you? Are you a priest? Now, I know you're not employed by the church like a priest would have been. But do you identify as someone that people come to you expecting you're someone that people expect help from. You're maybe the first person that they run to when they need something. Maybe if you're a parent, that's how you feel once in a while. You know, you don't hear anything from a kid, and then all of a sudden when they need something, boom, they come to mom and dad. They expect help from you more than anybody else. Or maybe it's the other end of the spectrum. Maybe you have aging parents, and when they need something, when they hit rock bottom, boom, they come to you. They expect help from you. Is that how people look at you? Are you one of those people that are always being asked to help because they just expect you to be one of those people? Whether it's because of your involvement in church or charity or just because of your history with them. So how are you doing? Are you always there, able to answer the call for help? Are you the one that, that is able to mend people's problems and, and fix everything for them? Or, instead of being a priest, 
who's there on behalf of the people, are you more like, find yourself being like this priest? Someone who just kind of whistles on by and isn't always there. Able or willing to help. Or maybe, maybe you didn't identify with the priest. Maybe you identified more with the Levite. You know, that, that you're, not, you're not the top of the ladder. You're not always the first option that people go to, to help, for help. But you're maybe, you're not on the top of the rung of the ladder, but you're on the ladder. Uh, the, people know that maybe, for example, that you're a church person or that you're, you're a, a charity, charitable person. And they, they know that you know the difference between right and wrong. So, so maybe after they exhaust other options, they'll come to you expecting help. Maybe they look at you like, like Cindy once looked at me. True confession time for pastor today. So Cindy was a co-worker of mine uh, when I, I worked in a factory for seven years while I was going through school. And one day, uh, Cindy was, was um, I guess you might say, teased. Uh, some derogatory terms were thrown at her by one of my co-workers. And so she reported it to our boss. And I was named in the, uh, in the complaint. And I'm like... What? I didn't say anything. And that was exactly the problem. Because as I talked to Cindy afterwards and said, Hey, Cindy, why did you name me in the complaint? Why did I get called into the boss's cubicle? She said, Well, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you knew the difference between right and wrong. And you didn't say anything. You didn't chime in. Is that you? where people maybe don't expect the number one help for, from you, but they at least expect that you know the difference between right and wrong, that they expect you to chime in. How are you doing if you identified as a Levite? Are you more like this Levite? Or like I was in that factory that day where you just kind of whistle on by on the other side of the street? Or maybe, maybe you didn't identify or don't identify with either two of those options. You're someone that people never come to for help. <laughs> they, they've known better. <laughs> you know, maybe they view you as the Samaritan. Uh, a Samaritan would have been someone with a checkered past. Someone with a, you know, they, they're a traitor. Uh, someone that, that people look at you with eyes of disgust and eyes of disappointment uh, they, they do not expect anything from you. In fact, they don't want, any, they don't want anything from you. They, they have this deep-seated hatred for you, so they would never, ever, 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 ever come to you for help. Is that who you identified with? Is that how people look at you? Maybe not with that same deep-seated hatred, that, that ethnic racial hatred that would have been in this story, but, but let's admit it, there are probably people in your life that don't rank super high on your list, and you probably rank lower on their list. Are you a Samaritan? Are you this Samaritan? Even though it was not expected. Uh, I mean, the, the guy who's lying half dead there on the ground probably 
was maybe even praying, just let that Samaritan go on by. I'll take my chances and wait for the next guy. And he, he probably didn't want anything to do with this Samaritan. And yet, how did this Samaritan react? It says here, and he took pity on him. Even though the guy that was robbed, even though the guy that was you know, beat up hated his guts, as he looked at his condition, he was hit in the gut so that he could not not help him. Is that you? Do you see people who are hurting in life that you cannot not help them? Does it so hit you in the gut that you have pity on them? I mean, you look at what this guy did here. He, he bandaged the guy's wounds up. And remember, this guy was naked, right? Stripped of his clothes, the Bible says. And so that means you would have had, you know, this, this Samaritan would have had to pull something out of his own suitcase. Maybe that dress shirt that he was using for a, a special occasion, and he had to turn it into a a makeshift tourniquet. Or, or look what it says here. He didn't just bandage his wounds. He, he had to pour, he poured oil and wine on this guy's wounds. Uh, that's pretty significant, pouring. Uh, this was not a cheap endeavor. Uh, when you, especially when you think of what oil and wine would have been used for with this guy. Uh, so if you're traveling back then, uh, these are important, valuable things. Wine would have been used for consumption. I mean, that was their, that was their, their drink of choice. Um, water wasn't so uh, drinkable, and so they would often drink wine. As, and so you needed this for your travel or for wherever you're going. And, and oils would have been used for medicinal purposes, and oils would have been used for, for bathing. So this is, this is our essential elements that he had in his travel kit. And he's not just dabbing a little oil or a little wine He's pouring it out, not counting the cost for a stranger. I, you know, I was reminded of that. Again, here's true confession number two time uh, for me this week. But last week, my brother-in-law was here playing piano, so maybe some of you met him. But they, they spent a week with us. And, and I was thinking about this this week. Um, so... Um, my brother-in-law has lots of hobbies. One of his things that he's into right now is he likes going to distilleries and he likes bourbon, all right? Well, I happened to buy a pretty expensive bottle of bourbon way back on Easter as a way to celebrate Easter. If you remember, if you were here for Easter, it was all about, it was a fine wine kind of a day. I even had a bottle of wine up here. And, and I said, you know, this was my way to, to say, if there's ever a day to celebrate it's the resurrection of Jesus, so I, I spent more than I ever spent on a bottle of bourbon. And I'm only going to use, I only used it on Easter, and I'm going to save it for a special occasion. And my brother-in-law saw this and said, oh, can I have some of that? I'm like, oh. You know, and I, and I poured the two fingers into his glass, and I'm like, I'm counting the cost in my, in my head as it, as it goes there, and I'm like, and that's my brother-in-law. This guy's an enemy. And he's pouring out oil, and he's pouring out wine uh, for the guy. Wow, right? 
And he doesn't stop there. It's not just the expenses, but then he, he spends the night as his, as his ICU nurse or, or maybe his CNA nurse, you know, dre- changing the, and the dressing on his wounds and, and changing his bedpan and, and, and fluffing his pillows for him all night long. And then he, and then he tells the, the innkeeper, you know, don't worry about any costs. I'll reimburse you, whatever it costs. Wow. Are you this good Samaritan? Now, you might be inclined to say, no, that's not me. But don't say that so quickly. You may not always be the priest who passes on by. You may not always be the Levite who passes on by. You may not always be the innkeeper who does things, who takes care of people just because it's your job or because you're getting paid to do it. Actually, by God's grace, once in a while you are this good Samaritan. I've seen it. I've seen you live generously towards others. I've seen you you know, go to the VA guest home and, and serve a meal. And I've seen you uh, give other things for our community, whether it's the Domestic Violence Resource Center or, or, or just helping one another pe- of people here. That, that by God's grace, I've seen how the Holy Spirit has worked in you and through you. Once in a while, you are the Good Samaritan. Celebrate that. Celebrate how the Holy Spirit is working in and through you. That's not bragging, but that's recognizing. Recognizing the blessing that God uses you to be. At the same time, I think we'd all have to admit, while we're not always the priest, the Levite, the innkeeper, we also aren't always, we aren't always the Good Samaritan. But isn't that the point of this whole parable? Do you remember the question that prompted Jesus to tell this story? Actually, there are two questions. One was, who's my neighbor? But even before that, what was the very first question that served as the catalyst for Jesus to tell this famous story? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And by telling this story, Jesus showed, yeah, you can't always do this perfectly. But he can. Jesus isn't just the good Samaritan. He's the better than good Samaritan. He's the perfect Samaritan. I mean, there we were. You know, maybe we identify ourselves as the victim. We are beaten by our sin. We have been robbed by Satan. But Jesus came riding into our life to pick us up and to take care of us. Or if we're one of those other people, you know, yeah, we're not always just the victim of sin. Sometimes we're the cause of sin. We're the people who have robbed others as we have craved things or or we're the priest who has walked them by, but if we've robbed others, Jesus is the one who still in his grace freely gives. If we're the priest who, instead of helping people, we've walked them by, Jesus is the one who, who's always helped others. 
and stood in, in line and, and stood as a mediator for, for you and for me. Instead of being the, the, the loveless Levite, he was the one who always stooped down and helped. Instead of being the innkeeper who, who just did things by duty, Jesus is the one who prepared a perfect place for us to stay in heaven. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. And he doesn't charge us anything, he offers it free of cost. Yeah, we might be the robber, we might be the priest, we might be the victim, we might be the Levite, we might be the Samaritan, we might be the innkeeper. No matter who we are, what we get to celebrate today is that Jesus came riding into our life. And he saw our condition. And he stooped down and he had compassion on us. And he healed us. He washed and bandages our wounds with his holy precious blood. He stripped himself of his glory and he wraps us up with the garment of his righteousness. Even though we're guilty of, of sins of commission or sins of omission, like any one of these people were, Jesus is the one who lived a perfect life in your place. So as you read this story and you ask, who are you? Yeah, that's a good question to ask. But in the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't so much matter who you are. It matters who Jesus is. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. Amen. May the peace